And you are listening to WMNF, WMNF Tampa, WMNF 88.5 FM, the best station in the nation. Stay tuned. Afternoon. Thank you so much for being tuned in today to WMNF, the best little station in the nation. So glad that you are out there. Appreciate it. My name is Joellen Schilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the mostest, 190%. Um, this show is called Art in Your Ear. Uh, this show has been cursed for the last two weeks of having guests 
it's booked and canceled, booked and canceled, booked and canceled. So I decided to be selfish today, and we're going to hear all sorts of things about writing, uh, help for writing, thoughts about writing, talking about writing, because I'm a writer, and that's I thought maybe writers out there would enjoy that. Plus, I've got some great music for you. I hope you will stay tuned, because then in the next hour from 1 to 2, I get to sit in on ultrasounds and play more music for you. I'm going to have some global swoopy fun, happy, kind of sexy music, both hours, this hour and the next hour. So here on 88.5 WMNF. Um, Anything else I should tell you? Well, no, just thanks to everybody for being out there. If you want to get in touch, please do uh, send us a text at 813-433-0885. Or you can text, uh, email us at dj at wmnf.org. If you do either of those, it's wonderful if you put your name in there so I can say hi to you. We started the show off with Un Beso, A Kiss. And that was new music, I think it's new music, from Los Amigos Invisibles with Ben Daval singing with them. In September, Debbie Omanef celebrates Spanish Heritage Month, among other things, working probably for labor and stuff like that. We just celebrate you, our wonderful audience. Uh, coming up next, I have a fun cover for you. I um, It's a cover of a band that I don't really pay a lot of attention to, but uh, some of our DJs did a special on them that made me really rethink how I feel about Chicago. I, I want to say Stu did that. Uh, and so here is a fun cover from Ada uh, from Chicago about a Chicago song, and I hope you like it here on 88.5 WMNF.
Hey, this is K-Top for The 70s Show. You know we play a lot of records on The 70s Show. And guess what? WMNF is having another record sale at New World Brewery, Saturday, September 24th. Would you like to sell your own records, CDs, books, and music memorabilia? Well, you can fill out a vendor form at WMNF.org slash events. And we'll see you there. And if you don't know, KTF does that great 70s show on Saturday afternoons from 2 to 4. It is a party on your radio. Just, I just, I just, I really enjoy hearing him on the air. Uh, we're going to listen to a little talk right now from Mac ba- Barnett. He's a children's uh, book author. He's an author who writes children's books. I guess that's the best way to say it. And I really, um, I, I went to this at some point to sort of understand things, and I hope that you don't mind me sharing it with you. Here again, Mac Barnett. Why? So my name is Mac. My job is that I lie to children. Uh, But they're honest lies. I write children's books. And uh, there's a quote from Pablo Picasso. We all know that art is not truth. Art is a lie that makes us realize truth or at least the truth given us to understand. The artist must know the manner whereby to convince others of the truthfulness of his lies. I I first heard this when I was a kid, and I loved it, but I had no idea what it meant. (laughs) So I thought, you know what, this is what I'm here to talk to you today about, though. Truth and lies, fiction and reality. So how could I untangle this knotted bunch of sentences. I said, I got PowerPoint, let's do a Venn diagram. (laughs) So there it is, right there, boom. Got truth and lies, and there's this little space, the edge, the middle, that liminal space, that's art. So, I think we, yeah, all right, Venn diagram. (laughs) But that's actually not very helpful either. Uh, The thing that made me understand uh, that quote and really kind of what art, at least the art of fiction was, um, was working with kids. I used to be a summer camp counselor. I would do it on my summers off from college and uh, I loved it. Uh, It was a sports summer camp for four to six year olds. I was in charge of the four year olds, which is good because uh, four year olds can't play sports and neither can I. Uh, I play sports at like a four-year-old level, so what would happen is, is the, the kids would like dribble around some cones and then get hot, and then they would go s- sit underneath a tree where I was already sitting. <laughs> and I would just make up stories and tell them to them, and I would tell them stories about my life. I would tell them about how on the weekends I would go home and I would spy for the Queen of England. And... Uh, soon, other kids who weren't even in my group of kids, you know, they, they would come up to me and they'd say, you're Mac Barnett, right? You're the guy who spies for the Queen of England. <laughs> and I had been waiting my whole life for strangers to come up and ask me that question. In my, in my fantasy, they were spelt Russian women, but, you know, four-year-olds, you take what you can get in Berkeley, California. <laughs> and I, I realized that the stories that I was telling were real in this way that was uh, familiar to me and really exciting. I think that the pinnacle of this for me, I'll never forget this, there was this little girl named Riley, she was tiny, and she used to always take out her lunch every day and she would throw out uh, her fruit. She would just take her fruit, her mom packed her melon every day and she would just throw it in the ivy and then she would eat like fruit snacks (laughs) and pudding cups. And I was like, Riley, 
you can't do that. You, you have to eat the fruit. And she was like, why? And I was like, well, when you throw the fruit in the ivy, pretty soon we're gonna have, it's going to be overgrown with melons. Which was why I think I ended up uh, telling stories to children and not being a nutritionist for children. Um, and so Riley was like, that will never happen. That's not going to happen. And so on uh, the last day of camp, I got up early and I got a big cantaloupe from the grocery store. And I hid it in the ivy. And then at lunchtime, I was like, Riley, why don't you go over there and see what you've done? And... She went trudging through the ivy, and then her eyes just got so wide, and she pulled out this melon that was bigger than her head. And then all the kids ran over there and rushed around her, and, and one of the kids was like, hey, why is there a sticker on this? And I was like, that is also why I say do not throw your stickers in the ivy. Put them in the trash can. It ruins nature when you do this. And Riley carried that melon around with her all day. Uh, and she was so proud. And you know, Riley knew she didn't grow a melon in seven days, but she also knew that she did. And it's a weird place, but it's not just a place that kids can get to. It's, it's anything, I, art can get us to that place. She was right in that place in the middle. That place which you could call art or fiction. Um, I'm going to call it wonder. It's what Coleridge called the willing suspension of disbelief or poetic faith. But those moments where a story, no matter how strange, has some semblance of the truth and then you're able to believe it. It's not just kids who can get there. Adults can too, and we get there when we read. It's why, you know, in two days, people will be descending on Dublin to take the walking tour um, of, of, of Bloomsday, you know, and, and see everywhere, everything that happened in Ulysses, um, even though none of that happened. Or people go to London and they visit Baker Street to see Sherlock Holmes' apartment, even though 221B is just a number that was painted on a building that never actually had that address. We know these characters aren't real, but we have real feelings about them. And we're able to do that. We know these characters aren't real, and yet we also know that they are. Kids can get there a lot more easily than adults can. And that's why I love writing for kids. I think kids are the best audience for serious literary fiction. Um, I, when I was a kid, I always, I was, I was obsessed with secret door novels, you know, things like Narnia, where you would open a wardrobe and go through to a magical land, which, and I was convinced the secret doors really did exist and I would look for them and, and try to go through them. I wanted to live and cross over into that fictional world, which is, you know, I would always like just open people's closet doors. Uh, I would just go through like my mom's boyfriend's closet and there was not a secret magical land there. There was some other weird stuff that I think my mom should know about. And I was happy to tell her all about it. But <laughs> after college, uh, my first job was working behind one of these secret doors. Um, this is a place called 826 Valencia. It's at 826 Valencia Street uh, in the Mission in San Francisco. And when I worked there, there was a publishing company headquartered there called McSweeney's, um, a nonprofit writing center called 826 Valencia. But then the front of it um, was a strange shop. You see, this place was zoned retail, and in San Francisco, they were not going to give us a variance. Um, and so the writer who founded it, a writer named Dave Eggers, to come into compliance with code, he said, fine, I'm just going to build a pirate supply store. Uh, and so that's what he did. And 
It's beautiful. It's all wood. There are those drawers you can pull out and get citrus so you don't get scurvy. And they have eye patches in lots of color, you know, because when it's springtime, pirates want to go wild. You don't know. Black is boring. Pastel. Uh, or eyes, and also lots of colors, just glass eyes, depending on how you want to deal with that situation. And the store, strangely, you know... <laughs> oh, dear. Let's see what happened. to build uh, the store down there. So we have the Echo Park Time Travel Mart. That's our motto. Whenever you are, we're already then. And it's on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. Our friendly staff is ready to help you. They're from all eras, including just the 1980s. That guy on the end is from the very recent past. Uh, there's our employees of the month, including Genghis Khan, Charles Dickens. Some great people have come up through our ranks. Uh, this is our kind of pharmacy section. We have some patent medicines, canopic jars for your organs. Uh, communist soap that says, this is your soap for the year. Uh, our slushy machine broke on the opening night and we didn't know what to do. Our architect was covered in, in red syrup. It looked like he had just murdered somebody which it was not out of the question for this particular architect. Uh, and we didn't know what to do. It was like going to be the highlight of our store. So we just put that sign on it that said, out of order, come back yesterday. <laughs> and that ended up being a better joke than slushies. So it just, we just left it there forever. Mammoth chunks. These things weigh like seven pounds each. Barbarian repellent. It's full of salad and potpourri things that barbarians hate. Dead languages. <laughs> Leeches, nature's tiny doctors. And Viking odorant, which, which comes in lots of great scents. Toenails, sweat and rotten vegetables, pyre ash. You know, because we believe that Axe body spray is something that you should only find on the battlefield, not under your arms. <laughs> um, and these are robot emotion chips, so robots can feel love or fear. Our biggest seller is schadenfreude, which we did not expect. We did not think that was going to happen. Uh, but there's a nonprofit behind it, and kids go through a door that says employees only, and they end up in this space where they do homework and write stories and make films. And this is a book release party where kids will read. There's a quarterly that's published um, with just writing that's done by the kids who come every day after school. And we have release parties, and uh, they eat cake and read for their parents and drink milk out of champagne glasses. And uh, it's a very special space because it's this weird space in the front. You know, the, the joke isn't a joke. We, we, you can't find the seams on the fiction. And I, I love that. It's this little bit of fiction that's colonized the real world. Um, I see it as kind of a book in three dimensions. Uh, there's, a, there's a term called metafiction 
And that's just stories about stories. Uh, and, and Meta's having a moment now. Its last big moment was probably in the 1960s with novelists like John Barth and William Gaddis. But it's been around. It's, it's almost as old as storytelling itself. Um, and, and one metafictive technique is, is breaking the fourth wall, right? It's when an actor will turn to the audience and say, I am an actor. These are just rafters. Um, and even that supposedly honest moment, I would argue, is in service of the lie. But it's supposed to foreground the artificiality of the fiction. For me, I kind of prefer the opposite. I, if I'm going to break down the fourth wall, I want fiction to escape and come into the real world. I want a book to be a secret door that opens and lets the stories out into reality. And so I try to do this in my books. Um, and here's just one example. This is the first book that I ever made. It's called Billy Twitters and His Blue Whale Problem. And it's about a kid who gets a blue whale as a pet, but it's a punishment and it ruins his life. Um, so it's delivered overnight by Fed Up. Um, and he has to take it to school with him. He lives in San Francisco, very tough city to own a blue whale in. A lot of hills. Real estate is at a premium. This market's crazy, everybody. Uh, but underneath the jacket is this case. Um, and, and that's just the cover underneath the book, uh, underneath the jacket. And there's an ad uh, that offers a free 30-day risk-free trial for a blue whale. And you can just send in a self-addressed stamped envelope and, and we'll send you a, a whale. Um, and kids do write in. So here's a letter. It says, Dear people, I bet you 10 bucks you won't send me a blue whale. Elliot Gannon, age six. <laughs> so what Elliot and the other kids who send these in get back is a letter in very small print from a Norwegian law firm. That says that due to a change in customs laws, uh, their whale has been held up in Sonjenfjord, which is a very lovely fjord, and then it just kind of talks about Sonjenfjord and Norwegian food for a little while, digresses. <laughs> but it finishes off by saying that, you know, your whale would love to hear from you. Uh, he's got a phone number, and uh, you can call and leave him a message. And when you call and, and leave him a message, you, you just, on the outgoing message, it's just whale sounds and then a beep. Um, which actually sounds a lot like a whale sound. <laughs> uh, and they got a picture of their whale too. So this is Randolph. Um, and, and Randolph belongs to a kid named Nico, who was one of the first kids to ever call in. And, uh, and I'll, I'll play you some of Nico's messages. This is, the first, this is the first message I ever got from Nico. Hello, this is Nico. I'm your owner, Randolph. Hello. So, this is the first time I can ever talk to you, and I might talk to you soon another day. Bye! So, Nico called back like an hour later. <laughs> and here's another, here's another one of Nico's messages. Hello, Randolph. This is Nico. I haven't talked to you for a long time, but I talked to you on... Uh, Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, Saturday or Sunday. So now I'm calling you again to say hello, and I wonder what you 
doing right now, and I'm going to probably call you again tomorrow or today. So I'll talk to you later. Bye. So he did, he called back that day again. Uh, and he's left over 25 messages for Randolph over four years. Um, you find out all about him and, and like the grandma that he loves and the grandma that he likes a little bit less. <laughs> and the crossword puzzles that he does. And, and, and this, is, this is, I'll play you one more message from Nico. This is... guys we seem to have some some connection problems so i'm gonna play some music for you and hopefully we can get this back on thank you for hanging in there if you're listening to art in your ear on 88.5 wmnf nothing can harm Oh, no, 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 no,
Hey, this is Dira the Poet from Poetry Is. Sundays at 8 p.m. on WMNF. Check out our community's next Poet of the Month. Hypnotized by your cadence, you pipe piped your way into my heart, your sweet vernacular, hypodermic needle to my soul. I am your biggest fan, your junkie, fiending for your words, rocking myself to sleep, staring at the corners of your lips, waiting for the doors of your mouth to open. Bid me entry. Let me scale the walls of your vaulted cathedral. Let me lay at the altar of your tongue. I want to hear your voice box orchestra compose my name like sweet music. That was Gemini Fox, your August Poet of the Month. Hear the whole poem, learn more about the artist and how WMNF supports this local art community at WMNF.org. All right. Well, I think we're going to go back to some Billie Holiday. We seem to be having some connectivity issues here. Let's see what is, what the heck, what the hey, as they say somewhere in the United States. Nope, not working. Let's try that one. Oh, 
Command control to Major Tom Ground control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on Ground control to Major Tom Countdown engines on Check ignition And may God's love be with you
This is Gail with a WMNF public service announcement. Creative Clay's Transition Student and Member Artists will host an art market September 2nd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the Creative Clay Courtyard. There will be original paintings, ceramics, cards, live music, and a food truck. Proceeds benefit Creative Clay's programs which create equality through art for people with disabilities. More information is at creativeclay.org. Well, thank you so much for listening. Even though we're having a crazy day here in the studio, I appreciate you guys calling and writing in and just being your wonderful selves that you are. I want to try again, see if I can play a talk for you without it going awry. This is uh, just a little very short, quick, fun uh, thing about dramatic Irony. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I don't know uh, how many writers are listening. If you are, shoot me a text, 813-433-0885, so I can uh, promote all our writer friends. Here we go with Honest Secret. That's dramatic irony. Come on. Oh, this takes forever. <laughs> what do horror movies and comedies have in common? The two genres might seem totally different. But the reason they're both so popular is perhaps because of what they have in common, their use of dramatic irony. First, let's clarify. There are three types of irony out there. Situational irony is when you expect one thing but get the opposite. Verbal irony is when someone says something but truly means the opposite. Dramatic irony, though, is what we'll be looking at right now. Dramatic irony is when the audience seems to know more about an event a situation, or a conversation than the characters in the movie, on the show, or in the book do. The audience is in on a secret that the characters have missed. This is a great storytelling device that creates tremendous emotion within that text. Think about it for a moment. How does it feel when, in a horror film, you know that the scary villain is hiding behind that door in the darkened room? The music becomes eerie, the lighting creates complete shadows. This has to be bad for the hero. Of course, though, that hero must enter the room to find the villain. You feel tremendous tension and the suspense of knowing that someone will jump out and be scary, but you just don't know when. That tension is dramatic irony. You know something more than the characters in the film. Now, take the typical comedy. There will probably be some type of misunderstanding. Again, we know more of what is going on than the characters do. Picture two characters making a plan for a birthday surprise for their roommate, while that roommate overhears the entire conversation from the hallway. From there, confusion and misunderstanding occur, and the tension builds. But this isn't the same tension as the horror film, since it is probably pretty funny as the characters try to figure out the who's and the what's. But it serves as a great example of the tension and suspense of dramatic irony. This tension or suspense in both genres drives the story and keeps the plot progressing. The audience wants, no, needs, to see the tension of the dramatic irony broken either by the scary person jumping out of the shadows or by someone finally revealing someone's true identity and clearing up the confusion. So when you feel like you are in on a secret, that is dramatic irony. A hallmark of all the great writers from Shakespeare to Hitchcock. Ergo Smart Base from Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I like 
Groovefest is back. WMNF's freaking dreamin' Groovefest is returning on Saturday, August 27th at Skipper's Smokehouse. Hear the music of local acts Battered Chicken Band and Road to Nowhere, a Talking Heads tribute, plus Asheville, North Carolina's The Snozberries. Make sure to bring your dancing shoes for a summer night of fun. You'll also get to meet your favorite Tie-Dye Tuesday DJs. Grateful Ed from The Freak Show. Dennis Stone from The Dream Clinic. Thor and Wayne from In the Groove. WMNF's Freakin' Dream and Groove Fest. Saturday, August 27th, Skipper Smokehouse. Buy your tickets now at WMNF.org. $20 in advance, $25 at the door. See you there. I am so glad that that is back. It's such a fun night, the Groove Fest. Uh, and the Groove Fest is going to be featuring some Talking Heads music. So I've got two Talking Heads covers, since they have Talking Heads covers coming up. And if I have time, which I don't think I will, I'll squeeze in a Talking Heads song. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks uh, to our friend up in Michigan listening. Uh, thanks to Gurf and Mark and everyone else out there. It's such a delight to get to uh, to e-chat with you or i-chat, whatever that is. I'm so excited. Hey, if you are uh, a person interested in sustainability, and you want to get mad, um, the city of St. Petersburg has released the RFP for the uh, gas plant area and the sustainability is mentioned nine times. Net zero is not mentioned at all. Um, that's disappointing. I'm just saying it's disappointing as a St. Pete person. Anyway, uh, editorializing aside, uh, we're going to listen to a couple Talking head songs and thank you so much for being part of WMF today. I hope you stay tuned because I'm sitting in, I'm switching studios and sitting in for E-Love with another hour of music, of fun, swoopy, global, sexy music for you, the wonderful listener. Let's get started. We're going to do a short song um, from Young at Heart Chorus. It's a British chorus of uh, people all over the age, I think of 90, 85 or 90, and then some kishibashi, and then we'll be following up with the NPR News here on WMNF, WMNF Tampa, WMNF 88.5 FM, WMNF Worldwide, sending loving vibes out to you all here on Art in Your Ear. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back and say goodbye at the end, okay? Oops, I just hit the wrong song. Oh, well, we're going to hear kishibashi first. I must be 